Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we are live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I am your host, Blake Rafino. One of your hosts, Blake Rafino. Alongside me is the former and the best long snapper in Rhode Island history. Joe DeLeon. Joe, what's happening? Uh, you're muted. Hold on. Wait, wait, we're here. There you go. There uh, you I'm go. doing great, minus the, the mute issue there. But uh, you're getting much more nice when you lead me in. I, I really like this, Blake. I like the energy. I like feeling feeling good about myself coming you're into the show. You're a full-tilt diva. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> you're a full-tilt diva. You want to be, you know, pampered and, and yeah. gone, you know... You, you're like a woman. You want to be taken on dates and pampered. But let me you tell you You said it yourself. I was a long snapper. I am the most pampered football player no on any doubt. roster. I'm go. not getting hit. I, I get to sit around and sit and sit on the bench during practice. I've got maybe 10 total reps. I'm the most pampered man on a roster. No doubt. Let me tell you a quick story. Yes. Uh, we had – so I'm not going to name drop, okay, but – we beat a team when I was at Southeastern, and we went out partying. And I'm talking about, dude, our team, we just had dudes, I mean, that could go out and just party, okay? So we all lived pretty much in the same apartment complex once we got out of the dorms, and so it was walking distance to the bars and the clubs. So one night, we, you know, great victory. We go shower, you know, shit, shower, shave, go to the club. And one of the long snappers, I'm pretty sure he was a walk-on long snapper, by the way, which makes it even worse. Oh, God. Started hitting on this guy's girlfriend. Okay? Oh, no. Oh, what are we doing and here, man? So I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, so all the team that's in the club, they're like, yeah, Blake, we're ready to fight this guy. He's on, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he's messing with her dude. I'm like, first off, the only person that snaps a ball on this team that y'all need to fight for is daddy. Okay. <laughs> Nobody else. Nevertheless, we all start fighting, but ne but nevertheless, he okay. was hitting on somebody, not somebody I mean, I'm talking team. about. She was so good looking too. I'm talking about, you never heard the song. She's a dime. That's top of the line. Cute face, slim waist with a big behind. That's her. Whoever rapped that song was rapping it about her. I'm talking about really good looking, uh, young lady. Did he have a shot? Did he have any shot? Here's the crazy thing. He might be the ugliest human being on the face of the planet, but women love him. He's probably got the juice. He's got the long snapper charisma, man. That's what it is. That's all what it is. Every Please girl won't admit it. Long, don't say long snappers have juice. That just doesn't roll off. We, we, we absolutely do. Uh, no one wants to admit it, but all the ladies love the long snappers, Blake. That's the truth. Uh, Jason Brumfield inside the YouTube channel. Every show. Joe kisses a picture of Brian Kelly every night before he uh, before every show for good luck. Is this true? Can you, conf it, it, can it you confirm or deny? It's not true. Uh, Jason, I'm excited to see what next next show's uh, tidbit is. It's every single show. I, I give him credit for the consistency. I will say that much. What you should have done is uh, reach behind you, grab that eight ball, and say, do I kiss Brian Kelly? <laughs> I don't even know if it's if it's a working – oh, it was glued down. I just ripped this off. <laughs> uh, well, you got to pay for Oops. it. You might want to put it back. 
What if it rolls off during the show? How often oh, it's, it it's going to <laughs> <laughs> look at you breaking stuff in the studio. Oh, this is man. your fault. This is not <laughs> first off. I didn't tell you to grab it, I said you should have grabbed it. I didn't say you yeah, did, but you should have been. I'm Captain Captain Intrusive Thoughts over here. If you tell me to grab something, I'm absolutely going to grab it, Blake. But now I have to. Now I have to address that. Hopefully no one notices it's out of place when I go back to fix it later. But nonetheless, or, we got a lot to get to today, though. We do. Uh, former ESPN's exec John Skipper suggests a Pac-12 ACC merger. First off, John Skipper is probably the biggest idiot I've ever met in my entire life. Oh, we'll, you met him? Uh, yeah, in passing. Yep, in passing. Mm-hmm. We had some mutual friends, and they said, hey, this is you know ESPN's John Skipper. And I'm like, Hey, aren't you the guy that got like busted for cocaine and he didn't, he walked off. So um, (laughs) it's true. Yes. Yeah, it it, it is true. I mean, he got busted with cocaine, but it does say something interesting that the PAC 12 and ACC might have a merger. John, I'm going to tell you where I think he's got it wrong, but what is holding up what I am hearing now? I told you two weeks ago that I'm hearing of some teams in the big 12 that the big 12 is doing it. But I think it's a little bit of payback from 2010 yeah. when the Pac-12 was trying to poach Oklahoma, uh, Texas, and Texas A&M at that moment. We'll talk about that here tonight. But the first thing, Joe, that I do want to talk about is the players that may have a breakout season in 2023. I, I really like this. And, and let me tell you, I really enjoyed going through this. I think, yeah, same. I, I think that the two, three, four players that I have in mind are going to beat yours. You, you ever see the Joe? You ever see like the things on like TikTok or YouTube where yeah. like you got to pick a, a category, like you got to pick three, and you got to compare who's is best. I think we should do here, that here tonight. Okay, how do we want to go about that though? We just go back and forth. Who at the end of it, after we have our list, who we think had the better list? Yeah, is that how we want to do it? Yeah, right. I think we should do that. I'm comfortable with that. I've got. Four guys in like a like a fifth edition that I threw in there. I will admit one of these is really far fetched, but I, I I think that you're going to appreciate the the reasoning for why I pulled it. It it, it is oh, the God. remaining three. I wouldn't be shocked if we didn't have some crossovers. We but might I, need some crossover. One of them is like out of the like completely out of the spectrum of what would be considerable. But I think it's a really good sleeper pick to bring up. All right, so let's get into that here today. To, uh, today, we had to go a little bit earlier because I had some other obligations with LSU later on today mm-hmm. as they start spring football tomorrow. So we got the baseball, basketball, and football. Joe, it's just it's probably the most chaotic time of the year. Uh, but I'm glad to be here and glad to be doing this. So let's do this. Let's talk about our good friends over at uh, BetOnline.ag. Heisman odds. Who's gonna? You know, where's Lamar Jackson going to ultimately land? Whatever you think you can humanly bet on. You need to go to betonline.ag today and use that promo code BELIEVE50 at checkout to get a 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Let's talk about them. We're back in 50 seconds. John, really fired up for this segment. We'll talk about it next. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way for you to wager on all of your favorite sports, contests, events, with the first-to-market odds in lines. Find reviews for all the news for each league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, college sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all 
of your sports information for live in-game betting props and futures. Head on over to BetOnline today and use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, betonline.ag. It hits different, man. Newsflash, you're not. Um, Roy (laughs) says on Facebook, you guys are great. I almost listen every day. Awesome. I love when uh, every all of our listeners intertwine and listen to us every day. Uh, Royce, do us a favor, brother, if you do, by hitting the like and share. Penn Jones says it's the man and Doogie, the man Blake and Doogie Hauser. Why do they hate you so much? You're like the uh, nail of the uh, of the Rafino and Joe show. So you know what's actually really funny. So this show is obviously live broadcasted on this YouTube channel, but then it's. It effectively is re-aired on the Believe YouTube channel where I post it. The Believe YouTube channel, we got like 3,000 views on that Notre Dame video. So on this channel, everyone sides with you. On the Believe channel, all the Notre Dame fans are siding with me. It's it's really funny. I just think because I support Notre Dame, I'm automatically the, the villain in this circumstance. So it is what it is. I also look like I'm 15, so it comes with the territory, but I don't really care. You do look like you live... Uh, in Milwaukee and eat people. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for the di- – we, we made it so – I know. I was – today I was thinking about how long we've lasted without a Jeffrey Dahmer reference. That. Yeah, and then here we go. You bring it back again. It's just – It's an urge. It's like an evil tick, you know. Just, uh-huh. I, I got to get it out. All right. So, Joe, in case some people are just getting in and they didn't hear our opening monologue – we're going to pick some some players that we think are going to be some breakout superstars or just breakout stars, breakout guys this upcoming season in the 2023 uh, uh, season. Now, normally, normally, I give you actually every show. I think we're like 22, 21, 22 shows now. Mm-hmm. I usually give you the first word. But since we're comparing who has the better team in all of this, I'm going to go first because I'm the eldest. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's a guy that I've really, really, really been keeping my eyes on. I know that me and you talked about him uh, during the season last year when we did our stuff on Saturday mornings to pregame the SEC. But with my first overall pick, it was a guy that I think is going to be a breakout star. Mikel Williams, the DN edge rusher out of Georgia. Joe, he had 33 pressures last season, 28 tackles, 6.5 tackles for loss. Uh, four and a half sacks, and the best overall rate of getting a pressure at 8.8 uh, 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 pressures per snaps. So I, but I've been on him for a while now. I know that when me and you did the Twitter spaces, mm-hmm. I said that Mikel Williams is going to be the next Nolan Smith. Like he's that kind of dude. He's got that kind of explosiveness. He's just a really damn good pass rusher. With my number one overall pick, I'm going to take Mikel Williams as my breakout superstar defensively and especially on a really loaded Georgia team that will be here next year. So that was my only defensive pick that I had written down was, was Michael Williams from Georgia. Dude, I, I was doing my research. I ended up with a bunch of quarterbacks, but I was like, okay, let's pivot. Let's look for a, an edge rusher that makes sense. I, it was easy to look for a Georgia defensive lineman, but looking back at the 2022 recruiting class, one guy stood out to me 
at the very top of that list. And I'm referring to Michael Williams, who was one of the highly recruited edge rushers, and I believe was one of the most uh, highest ranked edge rusher consistently across a lot of websites. You mentioned the pressures. For him to have four and a half sacks and that many pressures, we also, to add context for anyone who maybe was living under a rock and not watching Georgia football, Michael Williams didn't really play that many snaps considering no, no, he only some other guys. Around 200 snaps last season, which of 200 snaps, Joe, he had 33 pressures. And of those 200 snaps, dude, uh, like I think they said 75 of them yeah. were passes. Like that is ridiculous. So of 75 passing attempts, Joe, he had 33 pressures. That's pretty damn elite, dude. It, it's bonkers. And I think that unlike Harold Perkins, who has already broken out, we can't talk about him because we already know who I know, he is. and I wanted to put him on there so bad. I, but I knew he's you already did. already a breakout star. By the way, has a new number. What did he switch to? Number four. Is that what he wore in high school? What's the reason? I think so, yeah. Somebody's got to ask him. But I just think that Michael Williams playing on a very loaded defense for him to still be productive. And I think most importantly, he started to ascend more towards the end of the season. We started to see what he could do when he played in the national championship game. When he played against Ohio State, there's there's one play that he makes, I think it was against Paris Johnson or Dewan Jones, where it's just a, a freaky play where you see the natural athleticism. You see was that this he's still the one where he kind of he did the what I call the side dip over rip. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the side dip over rip. That's Joe, that move as a former O lineman, it is the most elite. You know who else does it? Nolan Smith did it last year. And Harold Perkins, it is their go-to move. These dudes on the edge, is that what you're mentioning is their go-to moves. You have to be freaky athletic and freaky flexible to pull off that move effectively. And I have, dude, I have rewatched the Ohio State Georgia game too many times because I've watched it for Dewan Jones, for Paris Johnson. I just watched it for CJ Stroud for these evaluations. And that play keeps showing up. And I keep thinking, man, I got to pay attention to this Michael Williams kid because he is so freaking good. Right. But I love that. I think that we're starting to see that Kirby knows that this kid is next and he is the next guy. He's not an interior guy. But he is for 100%. I think he could maybe even be better than Nolan Smith, who I played well, but never really lived up to that level of he production. Just didn't, he just didn't have the production because his injury, his, his season got cut short with the pec, with the yes. pec injury. Right. Yes. All right. Who are you going to take with your number one overall pick? Uh, this one's a layup. Clay, uh, Cade Klubnick from Oh, Clemson. okay. He was in my honorable mentions. Okay. Okay. I, I was debating if this – fit as a as a breakout star but the way that i see kate club he didn't play in enough games for me to sit here and say this is a surefire kid because if we look at the guy before him dj uyunglele was great in the two games he played his freshman year and now he stinks Cade, though one of the things that i paid attention to blake when i was doing my research for the three guys that i have is what offensive coordinators relocated right that were top in the country or i look for defensive coordinators and Garrett Riley transitioning to Clemson is the biggest hire in the coordinator coaching carousel. Him stepping in and for what he did with Max Duggan, who I'm sorry to admit this as much as I love Max Duggan, is not a very good quarterback. For, <laughs> for as productive oh as he God. was, for as productive as he was, and we know that he has accuracy limitations, decision-making limitations, was a tough kid. I think that in this new offense, this new look Clemson offense with a strong offensive line returning, the kid Klubnik is going to be in the Heisman conversation. 
That is not a hyperbole, and it should not be. Clemson is back on the map, and this, for me, put them back on the map by hiring Riley, and Klubnik was the top recruit at quarterback in his class, and we are going to see that production next season early on. I put him in my honorable mention because I. here's the reason why. I think for me, although I believe that Garrett uh, Garrett Riley is a really good offensive coordinator, I want to see Dabo let the reins go first, okay? And I just want to see, is he fully going to give Garrett Riley the ultimate say-so when it comes to everything offensively? Now, do I think that he is? Yes. Do I think that Dabo is a smart enough coach and a, a good enough coach to adapt and do these things? Yes and yes, because you don't go make a hire like Garrett Riley. You don't pay the money that you're paying him. You don't pay the buyout money for him to come to Clemson if you're not preparing yourself to take this step back. And I, I talked to a buddy of mine that's a beat writer um, and a, a, a radio host at Clemson uh, when the move was made, and he said that he got on the record from Dabo that Dabo does not want to be in the day-to-day offensive play-calling duties, that Dabo yeah. really does want to be the CEO, you know, the only name, image, and likeness that we have around here is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Like, Ugh. I think that that's what he wants to do. But you know what else that Dabo's done? Dabo has opened up his arms to the portal because Dabo knows, look, I I, I probably am going to have to do this. I can't continue to do what I'm doing. I, I really like Kate Klubnick. He had some really rough scenarios that he had to go through last year. I remember, what was it, Joe, the first possession – than he had uh, against Notre Dame. I think that what they were on like the four yard line and they were trying to, they were telling him to get them out of that situation. He's a freshman. Yeah. I, I think he got put in some really bad spots. I honestly thought that he had flashes against Tennessee. Here's another thing too. The two touchdowns to three interceptions for him last season don't bother me. No. But I told I told you this yesterday when we talked about accuracy, right? Him going 61 of 100, I really like. I, I I really like because the games that he was in, the things that he was doing was against really good teams. Like, you got a really good uh, idea of what you have in Kate Klubnik, and he's a really good runner. So I, I had him as my honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that he could do some good things. With my number two overall pick, and I'm going to be labeled a homer with this one, Okay, no, it's not Harold Perkins. What else, you guys? It- but let me ask you this. Where do you have Eli Ricks ranked in your defensive backs for the NFL draft? Do you think he's a first-rounder? No. Okay. No, I don't do have you- as, as one of the top DBs now. Okay. D- but most people do, don't they, if I'm not mistaken? Like, I'm at, not just At the beginning of season Eli Ricks was and it's the circumstance of oftentimes these early rankings are based on season awards and whatnot I think a lot of people came to the realization that that Eli Ricks is physically a bit limited he's stiff he's not very flexible he's a zone specific corner I could have told you that yeah he's a zone specific corner are you gonna say Desmond Ricks no I'm actually going no I wouldn't be a homer with that one I'm actually going to go LSU wide receiver Malik Neighbors. What's interesting about him, okay, and I've been on him, like, beginning of LSU's camp last year, I was all over him, him because I said this, Joe, literally, 
literally as LSU starts camp tomorrow and we will be there. I said this connection between Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors is unreal. Here's a stat for you. He was the number one in the SEC in catches at 72. He was number two in the SEC with uh, and receiving yards with 1,107. Now, his touchdowns are going to have to get better for him to be a breakout star, but I think that they will. Joe, he had 128 uh, pass, uh, or, or receiving yards against Georgia and really exposed Keely Ringo. Keely Ringo went out there and ran a 4-3-something, 4-4 flat, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And had a lot of really – I mean, look, he's got speed. Malik Neighbors turned on the Jets – and left him in the dust, and I think he can be what – I think Malik Neighbors can be everything everybody thought Kayshawn Booty would be this season, right? I, I think that there are teams that have these specific position groups that, like, you're always just going to get really good dudes from this school at this position. Look at what Alabama's doing along the defensive line. Hell, Washington's got like 72 of them. The Commanders has like 72 of them. They do some really good things along the defensive line. For LSU, it's wide receivers. Dude, I know that he had some off the field, an off-the-field issue during Mardi Gras. That case got dropped because it was kind of bogus. But nevertheless, Joe, he had the most quiet 72 catches to lead the SEC. He had the most quiet 1,000-yard season. And he had the most quiet SEC championship game that I think that I can remember because nobody is talking about a team that everybody believes that if LSU can win the SEC West, okay, and compete with Alabama, well, Joe, he was their offensive juggernaut. So for this reason alone, I think a face of a program or an offense besides a quarterback who may make that next step to be a household name is Malik Neighbors. Now, the last thing I'll say with him, is he was returning punts and fumbled two of them against Florida State, and you had LeBron James tweeting at him. Like the, I mean, it was literally the worst moment a, a player can literally have. Yeah. And so the only thing he did in response was go out there and have another 70 catches, another 1,000 yards, and he just really dominated some really good de defensive backs. I like this pick. I'm not going to give you full credit because it is a homer pick. Homer picks I, I'm, okay with that. But I'm okay with that. I, I do agree with you that Malik Neighbors doesn't get brought up enough when we talk about LSU wide receivers. We wasted so much of our breath on Kayshawn Booty, who never lived up to the expectations that we hoped for. And I, I'm honestly past him after the way that he performed at the NFL Combine. He was extremely underwhelming. But I think that Neighbors, with, with all the distractions at the wide receiver position, didn't get the recognition that he deserved for being as good of a player he is. I'll throw this out there. I have said that Jaden Daniels is the quarterback that Brian Kelly has never had at Notre Dame. I think that Neighbors is one of the receivers that Brian Kelly never had when he was at Notre Dame that he wishes he could have had. I think he's a great player. I, I like this pick. I, I will push back slightly because he was productive, but to your point, did not get the recognition and should get no, Joe, recognition I mean as one of the top receivers in college football. No, and, and you know what's crazy, Joe? He didn't even make an all SEC team, right? Which like is nuts. Which is you lead the conference in catches and you lead in your second in receiving yards. And Joe, he didn't even make an all SEC team, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, we're, I, we're, I'm sitting here trying to ask the questions of like, what's, you know, what's going on there? All right, who's your number two overall pick? D hold on, hold on. You know what? I should have done this from the beginning. You ready? Who's your Love number two sound. overall pick? 
My number two overall pick is Tanner Mordecai, quarterback, University of Wisconsin. Ooh. No, Tanner Mordecai. Ooh. This is a good pick. Tanner Mordecai. I, was that a is that an U or an O? Is that a dis, displeasure? Mixture, I just uh, okay. Explain it. Sell me on it. Sell me on Tanner Mordecai. Tanner Mordecai at SMU, man, had we're talking about quiet players last year, dude. He had a really, really. By the way, if you hate this pick, you're gonna hate the next one. <laughs> he had such a productive year last year at SMU, but like SMU was okay. So they didn't really get the recognition that they deserved. But Tanner Mordecai has 33 passing touchdowns. He goes for over 3000 passing yards, 65% completion percentage and only 10 interceptions. My biggest takeaway though, here he's transferring to Wisconsin, a team that added some talented receivers and uh, a great uh, offensive coordinator. But that that's my big thing here is that as divided as I believe the college football world is on Phil Longo. Is that Drake May's doing? Is it Phil Longo's doing? Phil Longo has produced a lot of very productive quarterbacks in the history of college football that he has right. had the chance to work with. Drake May happens to be one of the very talented players that he's had the chance to work with recently. Mordecai, I think, stepping into a situation where Longo had one of the most productive offenses in the country, uh, a top passing offense in the country that averaged 309 passing yards per game. That to me is very promising. I think that Tanner Mar Mordecai stepping into a division, a conference that lacks DB talent, that lacks passing defenses to slow down an offense like this. I really wouldn't be shocked if Mordecai doesn't go for over 45 touchdowns, 40 touchdowns and over 4,000 passing yards. I think he's set up to succeed and I'd be shocked if he fails. Well, you're going to really find out with him because if I'm not mistaken, either week one or week two, they go, they play at, at, at Washington State. They got to go to Pullman, right? Yeah. But to your point, and I'm trying to pull this up. Okay, so they have Buffalo to start the season off, then Washington State and Pullman, Georgia Southern, Purdue, Rutgers, Iowa, Illinois, not Ohio a tough State, schedule. Indiana, Northwestern, Nebraska, Minnesota. That's not a tough schedule. The toughest game that you got on that schedule right now is Ohio State. And from a defensive perspective, even though they've lost some dudes, look, man, Iowa's replenishing their their defense. So uh, we'll see. I don't hate that pick. I, I don't hate that pick. I, let me tell you what I – the only thing I hate about that pick is I don't like – well, I don't like when people overreact to a group of five quarterback going to a power five, okay, and saying this guy's going to be good. I don't like that at all. Right now, are there exceptions to that ruling? Yes. Like there, there are always exceptions to the rules, right? Mm -hmm. But historically, when guys do that, it does not bode well. Okay. So I, the only pushback that I'm going to give you is, yeah, he did that at SMU. But I mean, the Big Ten doesn't have scrubs. Okay. Like they don't have scrubs. So we'll have to wait and see. And who's he going to throw it to? Okay. Now, I know that we've talked about it Wisconsin a little bit, but you still – like, Joe, they're they're going to through a completely different offensive overhaul. Now, I like, I like Luke Fickle. I've always liked him. I just don't know if I'm going to go there yet. All right. My number three overall pick is actually a duo. Okay. Oh, I've also got a duo for my number three overall pick. Do you pick. really? Yeah. It's oh, not going to be yours. It's not yours. I guarantee it's not yours. Okay. You're going to hate it. Yeah, I probably will. Jed Johnson and Nathaniel Watson 
at Mississippi State linebackers. Joe, the most interesting thing and the most, the biggest, the biggest, and I'm talking about the biggest oversight from the SEC a season ago was the two linebackers at Mississippi State. Okay. Jed Johnson led the led the conference with 115 tackles and three sacks. And Nathaniel Watson had 113 tackles and was number two in the SEC with six sacks. I'm going to tell you a little something here. Now, they lose Tyrus Sweet. I, I get that. I, they lose Emmanuel Forbes. I get that. But that what they got returning in that front seven – with these two dudes, bro, th- between the both of them, they got 230 tackles. They are tackling machines. The, the simple fact that people think that Zach Garnett is just a horrible coach, mm-hmm. I don't know where they get it from. Now, they got a lot that they're going to have to overcome. Mississippi State lost their head coach. Mike Leach is something that's extremely unfortunate, okay? Extremely unfortunate. But, dude, Jed Johnson and Nathaniel Watson can absolutely play. I'm going to make you this bet right now. Okay. When we talk about this in a year from now, you're going to tell me, Blake, Nathaniel Watson can play because what he's going to do in the combine is he's going to go out there, he's going to probably run a 4.5, 4.6 at 230, 235 pounds. You're going to go look at his, his his stats at Mississippi State, and you're going to be like, Damn, bro, he's got three seasons with 100 tackles. He's got multiple seasons with six and seven sacks. It is the best. I'm going to make this right. I'm going to make this right now. I have a linebacker, not maybe traditional, but from a linebacker core, there's not a linebacker core better in the country than what you'll see in Starkville on a Saturday night. And I will tell you this, this, this is the kind of stuff that I think separates the SEC, right? Because when you think of Mississippi State under Mike Leach, what did you think about? You thought about Air Raid. You thought about Will Rogers, who also was returning. You thought about so many different things that uh, about Mississippi State. It all had to do offensively. Joe, defensively, they weren't scrubs. No. You know, this, it wasn't like TLC. We don't want no scrubs. Scrubs and no one but me. <laughs> okay, dude, I I am telling you that when you have two linebackers that have that many tackles. Okay. Bro. That one's definitely in the weeds. I because I do agree with you that Mississippi State had a very underrated defense. But let me ask you this like what is what's their ceiling that you're projecting here? Like what are you I, I, I here's my hot take of the day. Okay. I think that Zach Arnett and Mississippi State's gonna surprise some people. I think they're gonna win eight games. I think that's I think that's plausible. I think well, it's plausible. if you ask anybody. If you ask anybody, it's not plausible, okay, because they lost their head coach. They've lost some guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just te- – look, I, I, I will also make this bold prediction. Brother, I, I, I watch LSU film and I watch Georgia film and I really watch been watching a lot of Alabama, Alabama film lately because I wanted to see their offensive line. They got some dudes up front. And I think that this is simple nature that Mississippi State's going to slow the slow things down a little bit. I think what you're going to do is you're going to start seeing, hey man, they got some athletes. So I I don't know what I'm necessarily expecting, but how in the world are you going to tell me that these two guys, between the both of them, have 230 tackles 
that they're not you didn't even know who they were right like and, no, i've heard i've heard of i know who i'm you, aware you, of them but like they're not on my radar as draft prospects and i'm gonna be I'm saying, honest they probably right. won't be i didn't mean it like that it was a horrible way to put it yeah what i meant was just like you didn't even think about going to them no. but i'm watching alabama film i'm watching lsu film i'm watching all this film and all i keep hearing all the live long day you ready for it chet johnson nathaniel watson nathaniel watson nathaniel watson i'm just like if 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 uh Brad Nessler says Nathaniel Watson one more time, I'm gonna throw up. Okay. <laughs> but I can't because he's all over the place, Joe. Mm. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. They are the best sideline to sideline linebacker duo in the country. It, it's not in Georgia, it's not at LSU, it's not at Alabama, it's not Ohio State, it's not at Penn State, it's not at Clemson or Texas AM, it's in Mississippi State, it's in Starkville. I don't mind the pick. I don't mind the pick. I don't know if I would have gone that deep, but here's one that's going to – All right. It's terrible. It's, this so, is terrible. You're going to hate this. So here's my duo. So here's your third overall pick. Hold on. Yeah. Kind of funny how it worked out this way, that we our last picks both end up being duos. Okay, so I, I really dug deep here. Like I, I dug way too deep. I went on my tinfoil hat theory run of trying to find the most oh, unique uh, pick here. There's nothing. There's nothing that I mean. I expected something out. One of the most productive offenses in the if country over the past line, couple if years. You go offensive line duo. Nope. Okay. Nope. One of the oh, that would have been a really good one if I did the Oregon offensive tackles. That would have, you just gave me an idea that I should have done a Johnny Cornelius, the Rhode Island they were tackle. Also my honorable mentions. <laughs> oh man, that would have been a good one. Yep. One of the most productive offenses in the country over the past couple of years, was at Western Kentucky. The year before that, that offensive coordinator was at a school called Houston Baptist, which is an FCS program. Yes. The offensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, his name is Zach Kitley. He coached Bailey Zappi, who went on to the NFL. He coached Austin Reed, who almost topped in the portal and went somewhere, but decided to stick it out with the Hilltoppers. They were number 15 in the country in total offense. One of the best passing tacks in the country. Do you know where he is this season? Where? He's at, he's at Texas Tech. I, for my duo, and this pains me to pick this guy. It pains me because I think he kind of stinks. But I believe that Tyler Show and their oh, leading receiver from last God. year, Duran Bradley, who had 700 yards, and I think he's a redshirt freshman, led the team in receiving. I think you insert Kitley, who has, again, taking total – it's not like he's taken quality players and turned them into elite players. He's taken absolute nobodies and put them onto a national radar of people that we're talking about. We were talking about Austin Reed. Austin Reed as one of the best transfer portal quarterbacks because of what he did at Western Kentucky. So I think Tyler Show and Duran Bradley are going to have a stupidly productive season. And we're all going to be sitting here like, where the hell did this come from, Tyler Show? You stunk the whole time you were at Texas Tech. I you know what's coming. interesting now that, you know, now that I'm thinking about this, and what's interesting, I, I'm, I'm actually going to take a step back and not argue with you. Here's why. Good. <laughs> because, well, here's my thought process. Okay. Are we sold on Texas and Oklahoma? No, or so, Texas, so, TCU either, or the top teams in the Big 12, or Kansas well, State. Well, 
My only thought process would be is if TCU can do it, can Texas Tech? Yeah, I, I, I think it's it's plausible. And I think that this hiring is so underrated. It wasn't even reported on. You look at any article, and I looked up a bunch of them, that lists the top transition hires for offensive coordinators. Kitley's not even brought up once. The only thing, though, brother, the only thing is Texas Tech has some really below average talent. Okay, like I, I, I'm talking about like, yeah, you know, and the simple fact Texas lost to them is even is even more comical. Um, let's just see. I, I, I think that you look at least I stayed in the SEC with my duo. You're going all the way to Texas Tech. The last time Texas Tech's been relevant, God, Michael Crabtree was making unbelievable catches. Yeah. I mean, well, they did, a, to, they did get to a Cotton Bowl, and I think either they won or lost to Ole Miss. I can't remember. Um, I just think that's so far out of left field, Joe. You thought mine was out of left field. What about yours? I mean, yours is more than left it's field. A, it's yours a deep is, the, is in the nosebleed at Rosenblatt selling hot dogs. That's how well, far you ain't got yours. Because the rest of the ones that I listed, the intention was – Let's pull some guys that everyone's going to be talking about that are going to realistically. I wanted at least one that was far fetched. I wanted one that was least far fetched. And and my my trail of thoughts and statistics and information, I, I just think that Kitley is somebody who is not brought up enough as being one of the brighter offensive minds in college football. And he's he's clearly positively impacted every person that he's worked with every step of the way. So I I think that that one has some sneaky potential. I'm going to be honest. I think I won. I don't, you had better. I don't have any defensive picks. Is the problem? So you took. You took. Um, uh, you you took. Uh, oh my god. Uh, Michael. Michael Wright. I'm blanking. Williams. Michael Williams. Sorry. You took him from me, so that one deprived me of that. But um, I think Neighbors it's and the 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 duo Mississippi State, and then you had uh, Kate Klubnik. Tanner uh, 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 Mordecai, and then you had the Rudy Poos in Texas Tech. I would like to revisit this. We need to write this down, and I would love to revisit this. I I keep my notes for every single episode. Every single episode, I keep my notes. Here's my last honorable mention that I had that I thought you were going to take. I thought you were going to go Drew Aller at uh, Penn State. I wasn't going to. The uh, only reason why I didn't pick him uh-huh. is because he was the he was the number one quarterback in his class, right? Right, and so. But I'm going to tell you something, brother. Let me tell you something, brother. Like my name's Hulk Hogan. The more and more and more I look at Penn State, and the more and more I look at Ohio State, I just don't know if Penn State's not going to win that division. I think it's possible, and it all falls on the the shoulders of of Aller. And I I'm a big fan of what he does. He's got all the traits, and it's just the the circumstance of you know the Quinn Ewers type they guy that's got the big arm and can move. Well, they got receivers. They got the offensive line. They got the running backs. They got arguably one of the best DBs in the country. Mm-hmm. They return linebackers. They return return defensive linemen. I'm going to tell you. If they don't win in Happy Valley, James Franklin's in trouble. No, he should be because he's got everything set up. He's got all the recruits, and there's a reason why I 
named them as an overrated one. My my one honorable mention mention to throw out there that I, I did have uh, Will Howard at Kansas State. I, I thought that the offense moved a lot more efficiently when Will Howard took I, I over. Yeah, and I, it just depends on how he does with no Deuce Vaughn there. Um, but I big strong kid at quarterback, and I think he's got a lot of potential. We'll, it was four star. We'll see what he does. I don't mind that one. I think that was a good one. But you're just too quarterback heavy. You know, like, I know it's it's hard it's hard not to pick these quarterbacks, man. Because like that's that's all we talk about. Yeah, it's true. That's why I didn't pick them because I think they're spoiled rich, rich, rich. <laughs> um, all right, so let's do this, Joe. We we got to get to John Skipper, the ESPN executive, talking about a merger between the ACC and the Pac-12. But yep. before we do that and close out the show, do you want to tell everybody where they can catch where we bet everything and everything that we do? Yes. We go on over to betonline.ag, which has all the updated news, odds, and information for all of your sports betting needs. I, I say this every show. I get bored easily watching basketball. I, I need to make it a little more fun. And if you're like me and you can't, you need to get through the offseason, go on over to betonline.ag. Use promo code BELIEVE50 to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So let me start off by saying this. Okay, if you missed it, John Skipper, he's a former ESPN executive, said that he thought that there had been talks about the ACC and the Pac-12 possibly merging. Well, let me tell you something. There's two problems with this. Number one, if John Skipper told me anything, I'm taking it with a grain of salt. I think that John Skipper has been one of, if not the worst, uh, uh, executives at ESPN. He turned them very political. He turned them in so many different ways that a lot of people have. You know, Joe, like I remember as a kid, okay, I watched ESPN religiously. Buddy, outside of watching sporting events and Scott Van Pelt's show, I don't watch a single thing on that network. I, I can't stomach what they're doing. Like, I, I really can't because I don't want to hear anybody's political view, right, left, center, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I don't think John Skipper's making this out of a whim, but here's the problem with this. I think the Pac-12 should merge with the Big 12. But let me give you a little bit of a history lesson. In 2010, there was a conference realignment. We remember it all. Texas Tech, all, you know, I mean, Texas A&M and Missouri going to the SEC. Like, we remember the conference realignment. Well, the Pac-12 was actively trying to poach Texas and Oklahoma and other schools. Well, the Big 12 was able to settle down Oklahoma and Texas and keep them in the Big 12. Didn't last long because now they're coming into the SEC in 2024. I think it's a little bit of payback maybe, okay, from the Big 12 trying to poach some of these teams. But the biggest problem with the ACC and Pac-12 merger, it's literally across country, okay? Like, you're we're doing all these things for player safety. Could you imagine Oregon and Clemson playing and Eugene, okay, on Saturday night at, at, at 9 or 10 o'clock? It would literally be a, a, a close to a 1 a.m. kickoff and a 4 a.m. finish East Coast time when you're getting when you're just boarding the plane. It is, mm -hmm. Joe. Yeah, the timing's not wrong, but like I just like I think that having to play games on these these different time zones, it's I don't think it's bad for the game. I think it's it's, it's better exposure. It, Joe, we're talking about college. We're talking about college here. We're not talking. We're not talking about. Uh, in the NFL or the NBA or the NHL or MLB, like Joe, when you're in the NFL 
Mm-hmm. Okay, during the week, you go to practice two, three, four hours maybe, and then you get to go home. Okay, or you can stay and watch. You can do whatever you want. Okay, that's not what college athletes get to do. College athletes, you know this as well as I do. At least this is how our schedule worked during the season. I woke up at 5 a.m., had to be at the gym at 5.30, already getting pre-workout in, lifting weights, going to shower, going in the film room, going to breakfast, going from class to 8 until 2.30 every single day, five days a week, going to practice. My first semester, I had to go to study hall, but I told my I told my head coach, I'm going to get a 4 I'm not. I'm not doing this shit. I, these people are idiots. Okay. I did the same so, thing. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad that you yep. did. Okay. Then you got to go to study hall. That's not what the NFL players have to do. And quite honestly, you might make one of those trips. You're not making multiple of those trips. And there are literally NFL teams that if they have a West Coast trip, they just stay out in the West Coast. Like, they don't come home. They don't fly back. So why don't they do it? And you're expecting college athletes to have to do it? The time – the time, if this is remotely true, which, by the way, it's not. Okay, let me just say that John Skipper's a freaking idiot. Okay, like – He's just a flipping idiot. I don't like that merger. It's too coast to coast for me for you to try to merge a, a merge a conference. I just don't think it can work. And I, how are you going to separate it? Right? Like, are you just going to keep the ACC as one division and the current pack? You know, the pack guys. You're going to keep and what do you get called? The coastal division because everything's along the coast. Well, Could but- you imagine Miami going to Eugene? Look, I think obviously there are scheduling complica- complications with having to to manage that and figure that out of going from one uh, one tip of the country to the other, from going from Washington to Miami. That's a ridiculous trip to have to make and have to make multiple of the, multiple of those in a week to week basis. I think that you can work around the scheduling parameters of having to play two cross country games the entire season is maybe the limitation of that, and it has to be broken up. I think there's ways around it. My main thing with this is if it is properly done and in, in, in accordance with player safety, why something like this needs to happen for the two conferences that are in the most danger of dying. Like, let's be honest, both of these conferences are lacking uh, notoriety and are slowly drifting from relevancy. They are at that point where if they lose a couple of their top teams, if the ACC loses FSU or Clemson, they're kind of done. If the same thing with the Pac-12, if they lose Utah or Oregon, they're done. What you're getting, because there are top-heavy conferences with a lot of bad competition, is you are at least creating opportunities for more competitive matchups on a year-to-year basis. You're not need, they need that for, for TV. But, for, we're, but take TV rights out of it for just a minute. It makes zero sense. It, it literally you makes can make two cross country trips at the beginning and the end of the season and be fine. But they wouldn't have they wouldn't do that though, Joe. They wouldn't do that. You and you and I both know that they wouldn't do that. They would make Miami go to Eugene and they would make players go from Eugene all the way to Miami. Look what you look, you hate that I bring this up so much. Mm-hmm. But I really don't like cross country unless it's neutral site games, okay? I don't necessarily like it. I don't like Utah going to Florida and Florida going to Utah. I don't think it's 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 warranted for college athletes. I, I just don't. Un- unless you have time to be able to, especially, Joe, we're talking about multiple times. They need to go back to the Big 12 and tell the Big 12, listen, 
merge with the pack. That's what they need to do more than anything. And because I'm going to tell you something, what's going to ultimately happen? Half of the ACC is more than likely going to. But, but the thing about the ACC, Joe, they, from an ESPN perspective, they're the number two watch programming in the country. It's not the Big Ten, but they don't have any of the Big Ten. But mm. they literally don't. They have really capable and comparable views. I think the problem here is is that you're they're trying really hard to get these Pac-12 schools involved. And I got to be honest, who the hell does John Skipper – like John Skipper's not in those meetings. So I, I will tell you this. I know this for a fact, and I told you this. But And listen, you can, you can, you can bag me up on this one. A week before – the news broke that the Big 12 was trying to poach Colorado. What did I text you? That you had a source that indicated that. Okay. I'm going to tell you what the same source is telling me. Okay. He sent me the same thing that you sent me today, and I figured you would send me this. He said that John Skipper might be the biggest idiot at ESPN in ESPN's history. He said the negotiations with ESPN has been going on for the Pac-12, has gone on with the Big 12 and the Pac-12. That what that they have been trying to do with the ACC is to give them more money and possibly, possibly add some some higher level mid major programs, right? Like there are some still some high some higher mid major programs that are out there, right? So, so you're saying like if they went and got like Tulane or is that what you're well, referring Joe, to? I, I mean. Does that save the ACC, though? Like, I don't think it's a big fan base. I don't think that it saves it. I don't think that it saves it. But you got to take it from their perspective in this sense. Cincinnati was just in a playoff, right? Now, they they got beat by Alabama, but they they hung around a little bit. Like, it's not like it was just completely ass-whipping when Cincinnati played Alabama uh, uh, two seasons ago. And before you start – and look, Tulane and LSU hate each other, so I shouldn't be defending them, but I am. Let's not mistake that Tulane just went out there and the- – Hold on. Spank that Trojan ass. They – Joe, they <sighs> spanked that Trojan ass with three stars. Now, I would hate that personally because then you have two Power 5 programs in Louisiana as an LSU fan. But I and I'm not saying Tulane. I haven't even heard anything about Tulane. I Joe yeah. just brought that up. But my point is, don't tell me that like Cincinnati beat Notre Dame two seasons ago and got into the playoff. Like there have been mid-major programs that I think are more in this conversation it's from an ESPN perspective that they're trying to get in there more than merge the ACC and the Pac-12. I my only problem with bringing up some of those schools though is that. Their success was contingent on who was coaching them, who was leading them. UCF got into the Big 12 because of Josh Heupel. Let's be honest here. Cincinnati got into the Big 12 because of Luke Fickle. And those coaches are now coaching in the SEC. Just because they were doing well under fantastic coaches does not mean that their success is sustainable. I think that adding those mid-majors is fine. It's fine. It keeps them afloat. It keeps them alive. And it, it just adds depth to uh, the, the roster of teams. But the ACC is is losing FSU and Clemson away from being the American in terms of the quality of their teams. Like, I don't care about Wake Forest. I don't – and North, North Carolina isn't even that consistently competitive. I just don't see First enough off, good competition. They're called what? Rake for us because they hit the baseball so damn good. You, you when it gets baseball season, man, you, you I, 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 can't I, I just gotta be honest. I, why college baseball 
Joe, I'm, you want to get the closest thing to college football in the offseason? It's college we, baseball? Yep. Because on a, on a random Tuesday night, you got that same atmosphere, dude. I'm just telling you. I, I'm telling you. My my main takeaway here, though. And I know that Notre Dame baseball, you know, since Link Jarrett left, you're like, yeah. you know. I'll only watch Notre Dame baseball. That's the only thing I'm going to watch. My, my main takeaway here, though, with this is that I have never really been enticed to watch ACC football. Like, I'll put it on. But I'm not excitedly watching Syracuse play uh, play against uh, North Carolina. Needs. Here's what the ACC needs. Des more desperately more than anything, and I'm going to tell you something. I think that they're about to get it. I think that they need juggernauts, the juggernauts, to come back out. I think they need North Carolina. I think that they're getting there. Okay, with Drake May, I think that they can have a good season. I think Wake's had a good season. Uh, but you know who else, man? I think Florida State's just. I, I think that they're anticipating that Florida State game, and I will tell. Joe, what happens if Notre, if they get Notre Dame in the ACC? Like, they're not going to, though. I just don't think that's going to happen. Joe, I think Notre smart Joe, enough to know that it is a dying talks, brand. Money talks and bullshit walks. When Notre Dame had to play a schedule, where did they go? They, they went to the have, ACC. They could have easily. Yeah. They could have easily gone into the Big Ten. They could have easily done that. No, because they already had a pre-existing relationship, so it would have been but that's very uncomfortable but that's if my, they did that. Oh, you mean to tell me when the world almost burned up and we were playing football outside and they went to the ACC, you think the Big Ten's got more leverage than the ACC does? Because one thing that ESPN does not like doing is getting outbid. No, I I, I think that the ACC had a, an upper hand in trying to figure that out. But like the the semantics of that are are separate than that. I just as much as I I agree with you that they're on the cusp. You know, they're in a potential spot to be competitive again with Miami, hopefully on the rise, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina. If they are as competitive as they've been in the past, it is a dangerous com uh, conference for garnering our attention. My issue is though is if they all have one good season this upcoming year and Florida State and Clemson dip, what do they have to hang their hat on? They're the Big East. The, and the Big East crumbled. It fell apart. It became the American. I I just don't know if they if they have – it's less about if they can survive and all that. It's just can they retain those big entities and those big brands? I am not confident that they're capable of doing that. If 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 a Florida State program gets back to where I think that they're going to go and they get a Notre Dame, Joe, they're gonna they're gonna compete for the second best conference. But if if they get back up there, FSU's athletic director is going to rebring up the conversation of we no, need because they to would get have, more no, money than I everyone else. I don't think that because if you get Notre Dame in here, they're going to have to restructure their contracts. But Florida State and Clemson are going to still want a favorable revenue split I, for the bigger I teams. Get it. I think and, they're going to get it. But I feel as though unless they're giving them SEC money, why wouldn't they leave for the well, SEC? The, well, there's only two massive – well, because well, – Because here's what I think. I think if Florida State came to the SEC right now, I don't think they're getting SEC money. I th from what what I think. So my buddy Bill King, who's been doing XM radio, been doing radio a long time. He he uh, sourced this morning that some of these teams, like if when they leave, like if Oregon went to the Big Ten as an example, they're gonna like say if they're paying uh, uh, Ohio State eighty million. They're gonna pay like Oregon like 45 to 50 million. 
okay, because of the buyout that they would have to get those teams here, right? Yeah. So, and I'm going to tell you something. Some people are saying that they're going to do that with Texas and Oklahoma too, right? Like Texas and Oklahoma is not going to make the same as the SECs. Well, to start. to Well, for the first like seven, eight years. It's a long time. It's a long time. Because you think ESPN is not going to make their money back? They've lost millions, hundreds of millions on that on that Longhorn network, millions. Yeah. So we'll see. I, I, I gotta be I gotta be blunt with you. I'm so tired of of this conference realignment shit. I, I know I, it just needs to so happen, tired. man. It needs to happen. It just needs well, to. It needs to happen or stop stop meddling with it. That's where I sit. I don't think we're ever going to get the meddling to stop, though. I think that I think if you get the two divisions, you will. I think if you yeah. get to two divisions, you will. And I'm going to continue to say it, man. You need a commissioner. They but, need to hire me. Give me, give me two two million dollars a year, and I'll be your commissioner. I, I think you you got to compete with Josh Pate for that job. But but Blake, I told Josh my, Pate that Josh Pate knows. Oh, knows. I, I am not scared. Pate State, look, listen to me. As I told you, I'm not scared of your your big muscles and your you know your bicep curls. I'm not scared of your bald head. I'm not scared of your trains. I'm not scared of Josh Pate. Now, don't tell him I said that, okay? But I'm just hope I don't clip you. that. <laughs> don't tell him I said that. I, I mean, look, I, I think Pate would be good. Just make me his vice president. That's all I know. The, the closing thought here, though, I just think that there's just so much control by these TV networks, and we've got so much proof about the stuff that we've talked about with how we can't even get the TV executives' names to be sourced on articles. Right. You're we right. can't get it. They ha- they control so much of this, and it's not getting spoken about. It's not getting reported on. So they're ultimately going to impact the reshuffling and the realignment. And this is going to happen for, for the next five or ten years, possibly. It's going to keep happening. It sucks. It's ruining the- It could ruin the product. People are still going to pay, and they know that. Yeah. So I'm not going to ever stop loving LSU. You're never going to stop loving Notre Dame. And you know what the truth is? They know that. Okay? And so as long as they know that, they're going to do what they want to do. Exactly. You know, like everybody said, you know, when the NFL went woke, just not just throwing it like, you know, you know that that's saying's out there, okay? Just they made their highest revenue ever in a year, ever. No one's going to stop. They were literally a $5 billion, billion with a B. Billion dollar business, their TV ratings didn't go down, so it is what it is. All right, we will see you guys back here Saturday. I want to talk about the Riola kid on Saturday. Saturday, let's do it. All right, till then, knuckleheads, y'all have a good night. I still won. <laughs> Peace you out. always win. <laughs> um, when I yes, because I'm my own judge, so yes, I won. You have no, you have no fair shot. You know what, Joe? Let's just clip it and see what the people think. How about okay. that? All right, All let's right. do it. Later, guys. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.